Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. In a variety of industries, we're seeing supply chain issues and cost of goods increasing, leading to overall rising prices. The art world is no exception. This has been perhaps most evidence in shipping costs. I'm sure all of you who regularly ship art have noticed shipping quotes going through the roof. And this is impacting us more now than ever because the art market is a more global marketplace and collectors are buying artwork from galleries in different continents. And shipping costs have become so expensive, in certain cases I've seen collectors decide not to go through with a purchase because the shipping costs are just too exorbitant. So we wanted to get to the bottom of all this and speak with a shipping expert about these rising costs, as well as many different aspects of the art shipping industry. Perhaps there's a way to hack art shipping so we can make sure we're doing it right for as cheap as possible. So in this week's episode of the podcast, we're joined by Edouard Goin, co-founder and CEO of Convelio, a fine art shipping company that combines innovative tech, dedicated experts, and tailored services to safely pack, ship, and deliver artworks around the world. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Edouard, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Adam. Great to be here. Absolutely. So I think a lot of our listeners have heard of Convelio, but maybe not all of them. And I think the fine art logistics and shipping space is really an opaque industry, so we're excited to learn more about it. So to begin, tell us a little bit about Convelio and how it fits within the art shipping landscape, let's say relative to some of your competitors. Sure, so, so Convelio is, um, is what we call a digital freight forwarder. Um, we are a freight forwarder specialized in shipping primarily arts, but we also ship design items and, and antiques. And we primarily focus on the commercial side of the art market. What that means is we primarily work with, let's say, art galleries, interior designers, auction houses, and specialized marketplaces in the art space, but not so much with, with let's say, museums, though it does happen a little bit. And the way we fit in, um, I mean, you can look at us in different ways, right? I think in terms of positioning, we typically take care of, let's say, I wouldn't say the lower end, but let's say kind of something you would, you would be able to buy at an auction house, for example. So anything ranging from $2,500 up to maybe five, six million, that's, that, would, that would be our sweet spot. We don't do so much kind of the thing above that, though it happens from time to time. And... The way we compare to the other um, competitors is, is, I mean, it's primarily because we have a different approach, right? I think we, we took a decision um, so far not to own the assets, right? So we work with a set of suppliers across the globe and we have a very strong tech approach, right? So we, we can dig into this later on, but we essentially built an algorithm that can calculate shipping prices from anywhere in, in Europe and the US and to, into more than 80 countries. And I think it's really interesting because from an outsider's perspective, it feels like the industry is very stagnant in terms of innovation. You buy an artwork, then you receive a bunch of shipping quotes, and pricing sometimes seems to be all over the map. It's really extraordinary how there can be such a variance in pricing from different shippers for a single uh, shipment. Convelio, you founded it in 2017. Why did you decide to enter this space? Did you think it's ripe for innovation? And tell us more about the ways in which Convelio is innovated in this space. Sure thing. I mean, if we if we entered the industries because we felt it was it was integrated, right? Um, 
my, my co-founder and I come a lot more from a, from a tech background. So we used to work for tech companies in the past. And after creating a first company together, we moved and started to work in the fine art space, right? Where we very quickly realized that, as you mentioned, pricing was a bit all over the place. So you had a lot of difference in pricing um, from one company to the next. Um, but overall, it tended to be very expensive. Um, and we felt was kind of limiting the growth of the art market. The second element was that to get such a price, it would take typically at the very least 48 hours. So you would email a shipper, that shipper would have to ask rates around, and then like we come back at least like two days later. Um, and the last point was that the same players tended to be still very localized. Right? And what that meant for us was if we had to send something from London to New York, we would not be able to use the same company as from, let's, let's say, LA to Tokyo. Um, and so when we realized all of this, we're like, well, but why didn't anyone thought of building some kind of a one-stop shop from which you could get instant shipping rates that are competitive with and with a large geographical scope? So that's kind of where the company comes from. Um, the the If we go a bit into details, the way we manage to create instant shipping rates is through an algorithm. So we, we kind of combine hundreds of millions of data points um, from suppliers, from historical data, uh, but also from, from let's say, our own, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's AI at this stage, but close to AI, um, meaning that we're able to, if we're missing a certain data point, we're able, like the algorithm is able to estimate it. So that's kind of the way we saw the, the instant pricing piece. The second element on the pricing side was that, you know, in logistics, you historically have a lot of intermediaries. And each of these intermediaries take a cut. And we thought, okay, well, we'll, We'll try never to use intermediaries um, whenever we we deal with uh, with shipping companies. Uh, so not to go, to go through brokers, and that allowed us to save up to forty seven percent of of prices for for our clients. And the last point on um, the geographical coverage was that we felt something that was hindering the growth of the of the art market was that you always had to deal with a different shipping company if you had to ship something, right? And the, the way we've done that is we started to assemble a network of partners um, all across of Europe at first. So we could make sure that all the companies kind of dealing within um, within the EU and the UK could, could work with us and then extended that over to the US and now it's growing by the day. Uh, so that's kind of how we came to change the industry. I think there is, there is we're starting to see some change, but I think we're still at a stage where the, uh, the the fine art shipping space can be compared to what we would see in other industries. So we have, like because of our background with my co-founder, we often take the example of the e-commerce space. So if you buy a pair of shoes online, you know you can get it delivered within 48 hours, super easy to get a price. Like if you go on Amazon, um, at checkout, you can you have various options uh, and so on and so on. And all of this did not exist before we arrived. And we felt that as the hot market was moving online, it was very important that we build a solution that would sustain that digital transition. Um, and that does a reason why we're here today. And I wanted to also ask you about COVID's impact on shipping, as well as perhaps the war in Ukraine. It seems that shipping prices have increased substantially across the board the last year or so. How much are you seeing pricing for shipping going up? And what are some of these driving forces behind this? Yep. Yeah, for sure. So I think you have, you have, you have two, obviously, two main drivers, right? Like the, the first the first driver is COVID um, and the second driver is the war in Ukraine. Um, what happened during COVID is 
is a React training chain, right? So um, in the art market, you primarily ship things by, via air freight uh, because you're trying to make sure that it arrives at destination in the safest way possible. And though you can do it with C freight, it, it's a little bit more complicated. And um, though that's trying, that's something we're trying to push. And essentially, when COVID started, you could not fly anymore, right? So the number of passenger flights um, reduced drastically. And so it was much more difficult to find space in planes to ship artworks across the world. Right? And, and what that created was a, was a lack of balance uh, between demand and supply. And the demand was much greater than the supply. And so obviously that, had, that, that drove the prices of air cargo up 15x in, uh, at some point, which was like completely crazy. And, and so a lot of people started to look for alternatives. And then sea freight was obviously one of the alternatives. And so a lot of people started to move um, from shipping merchandise, any kind of merchandise, from air freight to sea freight, which had more um, bandwidth. Um, and obviously, the, all the ship owners and so on and so on, like all the shipping companies were in a position of force. So they benefited from the situation. Uh, the price of shipping a container at some point increased um, from 3000 up to like $90,000 uh, on, on some of the main trading lanes. Um, and obviously that has a big, big, that had a big, big impact. I mean, this is the most extreme example, but I would say in most cases, it was like from 3000 to 20000 And we starting recently to see, um, I mean, we started before the war in Ukraine to, to see that situation not come to an end, but get, getting a little bit better. This said, I mean, the, the, the shipping companies are still benefiting massively uh, from the situation that happened during COVID. If you have a look at um, the profit that they generated over the past year, it's been quite mind-blowing. So we've had to navigate that. And, and one way for us to navigate that was also to find kind of smart alternatives, right? Like um, delivering to different airports is, it could, be, it could be an option, but also working with, let's say, courier companies that also have their own cargo offering which to some extent was interesting, though they obviously benefited from the situation. So at the end of the day, what happened during COVID was um, like a big mismatch between um, between demand and supply, where the demand was much greater than the supply. And that has been um, enhanced by the fact that obviously everybody was at home. So people started to order via websites um, and that put additional pressure on the on the supply chain in general so it was a mix of, of elements that kind of drove the, the prices of shipping items up significantly now what we've seen recently with the the war in ukraine and and overall the sanctions on russia um, is several elements i mean obviously the the price of the fuel went up um, significantly and overall of any energy. Um, and so that has an impact directly on the freight prices. There is something we call the fuel surcharge um, when you ship air freight. And, and that went up significantly over the past couple of weeks. And the second element is obviously that you ca we cannot fly over, over Ukraine or Russia. Um, and that, especially when shipping to Asia, um, that uh, increases the distance between Europe and, and Asia significantly, and that has an impact on prices as well. So all of these together kind of drove um, the prices up significantly, and and we have to see how the situation is going to improve. So far, it, it's it's very uncertain, right? Like we like the the, the consequences from from COVID started to disappear at the beginning of the year. I mean, disappear is a big word, but to to get better, and now we in this situation, so we're very difficult to have a clear 
vision of what's going to happen next. But for, for sure, we, we're going to be sitting with this situation for, for quite a while. I really appreciate you going into depth and explaining all this to us because on our end, we're seeing pricing for shipping going up exorbitantly in some cases and in a very volatile manner. So it's good to understand the factors behind that. On another note, I know we hear from time to time talks about the industry trying to be more environmentally conscious, especially when it comes to shipping. Is that a focus for you and in the industry to be able to ship in a more eco-conscious manner? Or where are we with that at this time? Yeah, so I think we, we're still very much at the beginning of this in, in the industry in which we are. Um, so in, in the art market, we obviously artists um, across the world have been discussing the issue for, for a long time. But in action, we've seen little initiatives um, in the market overall, uh, besides kind of like the, let's say, past year, year and a half, where things started to change. Uh, it is something that's very important, I think, to us, but uh, probably to a lot of other shipping companies. Um, as obviously, you know, it's the right thing to do. Um, there is climate change is, is very present, it's, it's top of mind for everyone. And and we need to do something about it just because it's the right thing to do. Um, now, the, the way we do it, um, I mean, is, is in step, right? We see at the very beginning of our journey uh, from an environmental perspective. So we started, We, we I mean, we published our very first um, uh, report on the emission that we generate. Um, and that's kind of a starting point for us, um, defining also and to define also targets that we have overall for the company. Um, these targets specifically um, are in line with uh, with the UN uh, and so on and so on. And, and I can go more into details after that uh, afterwards. But essentially what we're trying to drive right now is first to calculate um, the, num- the, 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 the emissions that we're generating. Second um, is also to understand how we can d- decrease them. And, at, and the last one will be potentially to see how, if we can offset. More, more specifically, and the way you could see that into the product is also to start to bring more transparency um, to the market about the, the CO2 emissions that are, generate, uh, that are generated for shipping an item. Right? Like on average, when, when we did our um, uh, sustainability report, we realized that shipping an artwork on average, uh, which would be uh, in cubic feet, it would be like 35, um, would generate close to one ton of, of CO2 emissions. Um, and so kind of the idea of bringing that to the client on the website, giving them the ability at scale potentially to offset is something that's really important to us. Uh, but there is still obviously a lot of work that needs to be done and, and we are at the very, very beginning of that journey. And finally, while we have you here, you know, there isn't always an opportunity to speak with someone with such expertise in the shipping space. So I was wondering if you could share some advice to our listeners who are doing a lot of art shipping. What are some common mistakes you observe that we can try to avoid? And what advice can you offer us to get secure shipping for cheaper prices? Um, I mean, I think it's, I mean, the, the first one is to get the basic right, right? Like, so making sure you have all the information on hand. Um, and that is kind of like, obviously, pick up and deliver address, the dimensions of each of the items that you want to ship, especially if they can be disassembled. And if it's heavy, you will need the weight as well. Um, the commercial value, which is key, and always make sure that you opt in for the insurance uh, if you don't have your own, because otherwise you will essentially not be reimbursed or like, I mean, you will be reimbursed, but like really tiny amount in comparison to the price of an artwork um, and to some extent the material. Now, I think there are two things you need uh, you need to uh, to do. And uh, like the, the first one is also to consider kind of what you need, right? You We just spoke about um, 
uh, about climate change. Um, if you if you're in no rush, I think you should start to look for uh, for seafood options. So there are good seafood options to to ship out now, and they're being developed, um, and they tend to be significantly cheaper than air freight options. So that would be uh, that could be something interesting. And the the second point is to also do your homework, right? So I think. No, uh, getting a quote with Convalio is fairly easy. You go on the website, you can get it within seconds. Uh, but you should always also kind of benchmark what other companies are offering on the market. You know, I'm obviously confident we can always be competitive. Um, but asking around also gives you a good understanding of the price differences and, and potentially the typology of services that you're getting. Um, so yeah, really doing the homework, contacting different companies um, is, is usually uh, usually a good way to start. That's some great advice. We really appreciate it. Edouard, thanks so much again for coming on to chat with us about Convelio, as well as the broader shipping and logistics space. If our listeners want to visit Convelio's site and try to get a quote to compare it maybe to some other shipping quotes, what's the website we can visit? It's www.convelio.com, C-O-N-V-E-L-I-O.com. Perfect. Thanks so much again. Thank you for having me, Adam.